Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Let me pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your presence is already here. God, just like Pastor Josh said, everywhere we go, Jesus, you walk with us. You send your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to comfort us, to guide us, to teach us. And Lord, we're ready. Lord, whatever it is you want to speak today, out of your word, we want to hear it. Our hearts are open. God, our spirits are responding to you. And we know that we're going to walk out here different than we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I hope you're ready because we are going to read through an entire book of the Bible. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. Um, you can ask the pro presenter person that has my scriptures. We are going to read through the entire book of Exodus today. Not really. I'm just going to, I'm going to try to paraphrase sentences and paragraphs and stories and people, but there's so much that I want you to hear today. And I know that um, there's something in here for you. So the truth of the matter is, is that we all come from somewhere, whether you like it or not. The family that you were born into, the experiences and the circumstances that have shaped your life, we all come from somewhere. And I'm going to start with this story about a man named Moses, which I'm sure you're familiar with if you've ever stepped foot in a church one time, but still. Exodus 2. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden. Yeah, that's how I feel too for three months. You just got those special babies. By the way, I saw my special baby firstborn yesterday, that boy. He says he's an adult now. So we saw him in Nashville. We were at a conference and I said, oh, buddy, just, just come home with us. Just get in your car and just let's get on the highway and go home. And he said, mom, I have responsibilities and I'm an adult now. So we drove off this church parking lot, and Josh turns into the gas station, and Miles is right behind him. And he said, hey, you want to fill up my gas tank? But still, the special baby. She put the baby, no, no, no. When she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. We know the story, right? If I had little felt boards, um, we could put this little, you know, little baby in the basket. The baby's sister, listen, then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Then, skipping down to verse 7, then the baby's sister approached the princess should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. I want you to pay attention to that baby sister. It's going to be important a little later. So we're going to fast forward some years because there's a lot. There are probably 400 messages that we could get out of just the life of Moses. But basically, he comes to this place where he's gotten comfortable in life. He's gotten married. He's got this father-in-law that he's working for. Things are going well. There's not really a lot wrong and he goes out one day, and all of a sudden, God, in the way that God does, shows up in that burning bush, and he says, hey, I know you just got comfortable in life. I know that you're in this place where things are okay, but I'd like to ask something of you. 
in verse 11, 3 verse 11. Right after this happens, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel or Israel out of Egypt? I can read, but it's written here and here. I need to focus on which one I'm going to do. I said the, the strongest words are in here. So forgive me whenever I pop over to my notes. So Moses and God, they worked through these logistics. God said, this is what's going to happen, and then you're going to do this, and then this is what's going to happen. And still, Moses feels overwhelmed. In chapter 4, we're going another chapter. Moses protests again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, Lord, you never appeared to me? We could just stop probably there today and say, how many times do we feel like maybe God has called us to something and we stop right there, right in the very beginning of that conversation and say, God, but and it's not even, he is saying, what, what if I can't do it? What if I don't have what it takes? But one of the other things he's saying is, what if they don't believe me? God, I know maybe I saw you and you showed up there, but, but what if people don't believe me? In chapter 4, verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Just keeps on disqualifying himself. Anybody else in this room ever one time with the Lord disqualified yourself? I never have been. I'm not now. This is how it's always been. God, you know I struggle with this. I can't, you can't use me that way. In verse 11, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses, being just like any of us, pleaded again, Lord, please send anyone else. And then the Lord became angry with Moses, which is exactly what he probably should have done. All right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, look. He's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. I love, this is just like God. So he's saying this in, in the chat, or the verse 12 that we're in here, 14. He's saying, look, look, there he comes. Look, I, I've already got it taken care of. And then you skip over to verse 27. And it says, now the Lord had said to Aaron, hey, go out in the wilderness and meet Moses. <laughs> like, I already told him you were coming, but, but, but just go ahead and just act like you knew it all along. So, so Aaron went with Moses. You know that story. But the bottom line there, not forgetting that first part is that sister, is that when God calls us to anything, he doesn't call us alone. And sometimes it maybe does feel a lot like begging and pleading of, God, I just need somebody, somebody to walk with me. But look, look at God. He says, look, I'm going to give you people to walk with you, but I need you to do what I've asked you to do. So you know the story. They go to Pharaoh. 
let my people go. Moses probably took a little Red Bull or something that morning and was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, not that easy. That doesn't make any sense. God, you said go do this thing, and I'm going to go do this thing, and I got this guy now, and I'm all pumped up, and so Pharaoh let him go, and Pharaoh says, no. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. And there's this tension between what God's spoken and his promise and it coming to pass. And if you've ever been in that space before in your life, it feels weird and hard, and you wake up in the morning and you think, I know that I know. I think I know that I know that, God, you spoke to me. Why? Why? I'm doing all the things you said to do. I'm, I think that I'm obeying everything you're saying, but still, when I did what you said, it didn't work out. And Moses, all along, is still feeling this feeling. He hasn't believed it yet that He's not the one. He can't speak. He can't do it. And now especially is probably extra encouraged that, see, I told you I wasn't the one. But maybe Moses didn't realize, and maybe you need to hear this too, that it wasn't just about Moses. What you do matters, not just in your life, not just in your spouse's life or your friend's life or your parent's life or your kid's life, but to so many other people. What if Moses hadn't been willing? What if he quit when it got really hard? What if Aaron had said, nah, mm -mm, I'm good. That brother drives me crazy anyway, stutters all day. I can't stand to be with him five minutes. I'm not going. What if that little seven-year-old girl hadn't been so brave whenever her mom said, honey, we're going to do something really weird today. We're going to go out to the river, and we're going to take your little baby brother and put him in a basket and send him down the river. And what I need you to do is to pay very close attention and be very brave. Can you imagine just talking to this little girl? I need you to be very, very brave. And when you see someone, I need you to go and talk to them and ask if you can help care for that baby. But mom, that's my brother. He lives at our house. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. I just need you to do this one thing. What if she hadn't? Every single part matters. And your walk, it matters. To Moses, there were 600, over 600,000 people who maybe didn't even know that they were waiting on him. Because you know why? 430 years. These people had lived the same life. And after a long time of living the same thing over and over and over again, sometimes, all the time, it's so easy to lose sight or lose hope. Or when someone says, I believe that this God's, he's moving. He's going to do it. We're going to see breakthrough. We're finally going to get out of here. You're a little tired. And you're thinking, man, I've heard it before. After 430 years, I've seen all the things. 
I've heard all the gimmicks. I followed all the plans that could possibly get us out of slavery, and nothing has worked. So the story continues, as you know, and the Lord, on Moses' side, he sent plague after plague until Pharaoh would give it up. I mean, blood and frogs and flies against livestock, festering boils, my favorite one, hail, locust, darkness, even death. In Exodus 12, 40, it, sa- it says that specific thing that they had lived 430 years. They didn't get to send kids off to college. They didn't get to go on adventures. They didn't get to choose maybe the career that, you know, they had been working for. They were slaves. These people didn't know freedom. They couldn't give their children or their grandchildren even that hope until right now. In Exodus 13, verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, (laughs) God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Hello. How many times? Finally. Yes, I see it, God. You're going to move. It's going to happen. And God says, you're right. I am. And we're going to go the long way. This is probably my favorite part because I just really see it's like a mirror here. Okay, so 1410. So I just tell you, finally, they say, yes, okay, we're going, we're going. Yeah, Moses, you are. You are really a great leader. We're going to follow you. Let's go. They start on this journey. They're like, wait a minute. Shouldn't we be making a, a right? And their, their GPS is, oh, oh, we redirecting, re, re-navigating. Wait a second, wait a second. <clears throat> nope, that's the way they're supposed to go. And in 14... Verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up. They think they're on their way out. They think this guy's going to leave him alone, but he's not. And they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse out in the wilderness. And hello, talk about comfort zones. I like them. We just got a new comforter. I ordered it before we left to go out of town this weekend, and it was there at my house when we got home last night. And it's so cozy, and I love it so much. Because we like comfort. I like to go to the same places, maybe not as much as Josh, who always eats the same thing. But I like comfort. You like comfort. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like to go the long way. And God's still moving here. God hasn't changed his mind. God knows the whole plan. 
But the people, they're just like, you've got to be kidding me. After all this time, finally we say, okay, we'll follow you there. Yep, we're going to go. We'll come with you. We believe in you, Moses. And they make one wrong turn, and they're all crying like babies. I can't do this. Just take me back and let me die. I was better off as a slave. I was better off with that thing that I'm familiar with that's held me my whole life. It doesn't matter. That's where I know. There's a promise right there, right around the corner. Man, they just all, they make this one turn and maybe it still won't make sense yet because that promise is right through this big raging sea, but it's right there. And so Moses, who surely had to read a few leadership books by this point, he says to them in 14, 13 through 14, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. It's that last look at the enemy. They're coming up behind him, and the people are freaking out, thinking, I didn't want to die this way. I could have died at home of old age, but instead, now these Egyptians are going to take over us, and I don't want to die this way. And he says, hang on just a minute. I promise, look again. Those Egyptians, your enemy, will never be seen again. I want to say this to you today. I know some of you have been in a place for a long, long time. Not necessarily a town, not talking about where you live, not even a familiar place, but maybe it's in your mind. It's a place, it is a place that you go a lot. Maybe it's something that you felt over and over and over again. It's something so familiar. Maybe it's fear or worry or anxiety or doubt or shame that it feels like it's just a part of who you are. Maybe it's come from generations before you. Maybe it's come through abuse or hard, difficult things. You don't even know how to figure it out or map it out or retrace it or go back. It's okay. You don't have to. I'm excited to tell you what happens next. But before we go there, so Moses just has this moment with his people and he says, okay, everybody just calm down. Who doesn't want to be free? Do you want to be free? Do you want to live a life of freedom? Show me that you want to be free. Let me see your hand. You want to live a life of freedom? We don't want to be bound up by stuff. But sometimes we're walking around the same things. It's what we've been taught. It's what we know. It's that same feeling of just despair at night when we go to bed. And it's that same feeling of, oh, 
when we wake up in the morning, but there is a thing, a named thing that could be holding you back from your freedom. For the Israelites, they called it Egypt. But I want you to think for a minute. I'm preaching this message specifically for you today. What is that thing? And you don't have to say it out loud. You don't even have to write it down on paper. But there is a thing, a something, that is holding you back from freedom. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how you got there. Doesn't matter how long you've been there. It surely hasn't been 430 years. God wants to set you free today. In Exodus 14, 15, remember, this is Moses. It's like, it's like whenever moms, you know, get their kids all quieted down and like, okay, now guys, we're just going to sit here and eat dinner or do whatever. And then the dad walks in and he's home from work. Hey, yeah, let's, let's party, boys. And you're like, I just sat them down. I just, somebody else getting them all riled up. Well, listen, here's what God does. In verse 14, chapter 14, verse 15, it says, then the Lord, he sees it all. He knows what's happening. He knows that Moses just got them all quieted down and they're being real still and letting the Lord fight for them. And then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. And he continues to tell him, come on, it's time. It's time. It's time. We've got things to do. Let's go. So they had their moment. They knew, oh, I know. It's just, it's hard. It's just, it's hard. We need to recognize and speak our truth that it's hard. It's really hard to be here. Been here so long. Get it together. You want to be free. Let's go. They're going to make that journey toward freedom. And I love this story because it's so just like God, every part of it, impossible things, hard things, things that don't make any sense to us. And in verse 22, so the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on the dry ground with the walls of the water on each side. And that may feel like in some messages that that's, you know, that's the high point. That's the climax of the message. There's something else I want you to hear. We all know that they made it through. We're on this side of the story. We know that they made it through that Red Sea. How? It's still a mystery, and I can't wait to ask God about that. I, wanna, I hope when we get to heaven, we get to watch movies or see how God did all the things, or maybe he can, like, I don't know, make it come back to life so we can watch it again. I want to see the walls of that sea go up and the people walk through it. But just like God, he said, I know there's a bunch of you. Keep going, keep going. But remember how you saw those enemies behind you chasing you? It was on purpose. I allowed them if I allowed them to get in kind of close where you feel like they're right there about to get you because you know why? I'm going to do a complete and total work in your life. We remember how it took Moses and Aaron. Moses probably called on Aaron a lot. Hey, Aaron, could you, could you say this? I'm feeling this thing, but you just articulate it better. Can you speak this to the people? And 
Aaron says, yeah, 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 man, I got you. We're going to do this together. But let's not forget, there was a little girl way back at the beginning of the story, maybe seven years old, who played such an important part of setting people free. Her name was Miriam. And I love that they don't skip out on, we get there, we go through the sea, and all this stuff happens, incredible, you know, like epic movie kind of scene of all this stuff. And they sing this song of deliverance. And then in chapter 15, verse 20, it says, Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. He's hurled both the horse and the rider. And that part, I just, I can't get it out of my head thinking, wasn't just people running behind him, the horse and the rider. It was how that thing was getting to them and the thing that was getting to them. And he hurled them into the sea. Miriam, who was a sister, maybe a mom, maybe a leader in her community, but a girl that trusted in God and obeyed his voice, but also she was a slave whose parents and their parents and their parents and their parents had all been bound by the same thing for years upon years upon years. So can you just imagine with me for a moment when that happened? There weren't emails they probably didn't, I mean, have megaphones to announce to that town. There's chaos of people everywhere. And somehow the message got to the town. And here's what they said. We are free. We can go. And just for a minute, think with me about Miriam. Moses and Aaron surely had written out on tablets, okay, here's our plan. We're going to form lines this way, and we're going to do this, and let's make sure we're prepared. This could happen, and this could happen, but not Miriam. Just imagine in her mind, thinking back, when I was a seven-year-old little girl, And I didn't know exactly what it meant, but I said, yes. Yeah, God, I'll, I'll be part of that. I'll go talk to this person that I've never met before and, and try to ask if I can help with this baby that's actually my brother. And none of it makes any sense. But God, I'm going to say yes. And here's this moment. It's being announced from person to person to person through the Israelites, we are free. We can go. 
like I don't know if this is true or not, but let's just let's just try. Let let's let's follow them wherever they're going because if there's hope for freedom, then I want that. Miriam begins to prepare her things. On her way out, what does she grab? What would you grab? What are you going to take on that journey to freedom? You're going to grab your family heirlooms, the things that are most precious to you. You're going to grab some extra food because you always have to be prepared, especially if there's children traveling. What are you going to take with you on that journey to freedom? Would it be a tambourine? Maybe Miriam knew something that we should all know too. That in the midst of chaos, precisely in the center of a storyline we don't even understand, that we better be ready on the other side of victory to have a praise for our Jesus. You can not only trust that he's gone before you, you can not only trust that he has every single thing of your life in perfect timing in place, but you need to be prepared to have a praise ready to go up. Man, Miriam could have done anything when they got to the other side. They could have sat and had a feast together. They could have, they could have done, they could have gone to the new land and explored. They could have sat and talked about all the things that they had to go through to get there. But no, she pulled out that tambourine and she said, we're going to praise our Jesus who got us through to the other side of this. And as they looked back, oh, I'm going to go there in just a second, but just imagine it was, it was right there. And what about, what if there were people who quit along the way and said, I can't do this. It's so hard. It's too much. It's, I've been through so many things and freedom was right there. But man, here they are now. They're on the other side of this. And I want you to hear me. I'm going to say a couple things to you about how God works. I've already said them, but I want you to hear them again. The road sometimes isn't the shortest. God is always, always working ahead of us and fighting for us. He's patient even when we try to disqualify ourselves. It doesn't matter how long you have been bound up. He has a master plan to not only get you to the other side, but to destroy your enemy completely. And before you step out on this journey, you better make sure that you pack that tambourine because your praise is going to help set other people free. Will you close your eyes for a minute? I said earlier that that song that they reference in Exodus is called the Song of Deliverance. I want you to hear it today. God is speaking it over your life. I don't care what the Egypt is. I don't care what, how deep, how, how difficult, 
how impossible it seems. I want you to hear this song. It says, and this is one of, I love this. This is one of the most ancient songs in the Bible that God wanted you to hear. And it says this, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both that horse and the rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The enemy boasted, I will chase them and catch up with them. I will plunder them and consume them. I will flash my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. With your unfailing love, you lead the people that you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. If you want to be free today, will you stand up with me? If you want to walk that journey to freedom, I don't know what it means for you. I don't know how many people before you were bound up. I don't know how you got there. I don't know how bad it hurt. I don't know what it feels like every morning when you wake up, but I know this. My word, your word of God right here tells you that it's with his unfailing love that he leads us, that we are redeemed, that he has hurled not just the thing that's haunting you, not just the thing that's holding you back, but also the way in which it got there. He's put it in the sea. He's covered it up. He said no more, not over your life. And you know what? You, the, the Israelites didn't have that hope to give to the next generation. They couldn't say, hey, you know, like eventually we'll be free. They didn't know 430 years, but you have a hope. You have a hope in Jesus Christ for this next generation to say, hey, I know, I know it's hard. There are difficult things that you're going to walk through, but by the grace of God, and listen to me, if you don't see it in the sea, if you can't picture it, getting swept by that water, that mighty water, will you picture with me for a moment? that every single thing that has tried to harm you and hold you back and dismiss you from God's calling in your life was nailed on that cross with our Savior Jesus. He took both the horse and the rider and he put it on that cross and he said every single thing that is trying to bound you up, you are set free from. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you believe that the spirit of the Lord is in this place today? We want you to be set free. Be about freedom. Be about saying yes, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense so that other people Moses, there's no way he could have known that day standing in that field and this weird burning bush showed up that he had over 600,000 people waiting on his yes. But even before that, there's no way that little girl could have known that she had over 600,000 people waiting on her yes. And it wasn't that hard. All she had to do was to go speak to someone. Maybe all God's asking you to do is go speak to someone. 
to reach out, to maybe forgive, to believe that he's called you to what he's called you to. But there's not going to be any more Egypt after today. He's calling us to walk through that sea, and he's going to cover up every single horse and rider that is following. And maybe it feels close. Maybe it feels like they're right there on your tail. But don't you worry. God's got a plan for that too. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.